Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment, and I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. There are some stories that are so overwhelming that you question if it is even possible to overcome. How could someone survive such horrific injustice? Marissa Saunders experienced horrific abuse from childhood, was sex trafficked, went from one abusive relationship to the next, and suffered from extreme racism. Hear how her story unfolds one difficult healing step at a time, leading her to a social justice career as a cultural awareness consultant and a partnership with the Alternative to Violence Project. This is an interview that will deeply touch your heart. Welcome, everyone, to the Stop Devaluation My Story interview with Marissa Saunders. Welcome, Marissa. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited for all that you do. But first, I would love to hear your story. Well, my story is um, one of uh, abuse, um, sex trafficking, and the abuse, physical, sexual, mental, emotional. Growing up with a single mom, um, an absent father, and getting married, having children, uh, being in an abusive marriage, losing a child through the abuse, mm-hmm. and um, continuing to taking all of that and using it to help others. So finding a way through all of that to find strength and gather it together to bring hope to others. Wow. That's a, my story in a, in a nutshell. Um, Let me ask you a question about all those things. My goodness, sex trafficking, abuse, physical, sexual, all those things. How did that affect you emotionally? What were your thoughts concerning your very identity and your your purpose and your worth? Um, it actually devalued everything. It devalued me thinking about my body. So my body just became this tool to get my needs met or um, a, a way to escape. So the, the abuse started uh, when I was about four or five um, uh, and continued off and on throughout my life. And then I became a runaway because of the physical abuse at home. And also, you know, just not feeling that I was even loved or cared about. Yeah. And so the running away part was my way of, of getting away, but also searching. One one opportunity, um, uh, someone took an opportunity of seeing this runaway little girl um, at 15 sitting at a bus stop wow. late at night and offered me a place to stay. And uh, it had been days of me sleeping in people's garages or uh, you know, hiding out here and hiding out there. And so I took the opportunity to stay with this 
this man and he drugged me and kept me drugged and uh, I escaped through a window. Wow. One early morning while he was asleep, I, I escaped through the bathroom window and never went back, never told a soul and finally did go back home. But when I did go home and the police came, you know, my mother called the police and the police, you know, came to the house and I said, I don't want to be here. And so at 16, I was in a group home. Wow. And the interesting thing that kept me was that school was always my escape. Wow. Even when I ran away, even when I, you know, I still would go to school. I was the only one in the group home that still wanted to go to school. So I still went to school. School was the one place where I didn't have to be anything. And I knew I could be in a class and I could learn. And I, I knew learning. I knew something about being in school was going to help me in the end. And so I continued to go through school. I wasn't a great student, but I still went to school. Do you think that was because it was a safe place? I think so. I, I did. I had, you know, a couple of friends. I had one best friend who to this day I'm still friends with. Mm -hmm. And she and I had a similar life and God connected us. Wow. I really believe that we were connected spirits and she understood my life and I understood her life and we shared our secrets. And it was, it was being able to share that secret with someone who understood who didn't shame me um, because I was dealing with so much shame around I'm my body, sure. around right. who I was. Yeah. I had no idea that, you know, I was this amazing person. You know, I used my body. I could sing, so I sang. That was another way that, you know, I would uh, get people to leave me alone in a sense is that I would sing. Um, but from the age of mm, maybe about in the, by the fourth grade or so, you know, I was being raised in an all-white neighborhood. We were the only African-Americans in our entire neighborhood, oh. the only African-Americans in our school. So we were bullied. Now we know it's called bullying but had no idea that that's what it was. We were jumped every day. I was kicked in the stomach. I was beat oh. up. I was tortured. And by the time I was about 11, um, you know, uh, white supremacist that lived up the street from us threw a Molotov cocktail into our garage to try to kill us. Oh my and gosh. we left and, and moved to California. We were in Nevada at the time. We moved to California and moved into an all-black neighborhood where I was bullied for looking white, behaving white, speaking white, thinking I was white. So went from there to there and then moved to another part of California and was, you know, bullied more because I looked different. I could sing. I had talent. I was smart. And again, because of my lack of body, I don't want to say awareness, but the, the idea that I had no issues around my body, then, of course, the, the boys, were attracted, and so that made the girls upset, and I lost my, I won't say innocence at an early age, but I did. So I was very promiscuous at a very early age, by the age of 12. Wow. And with that, that gave me no sense of purpose, no sense of goodness for myself, and it was a secret. It was a secret. It was a shameful, guilty secret that I held, and by the time... I was 17. I was involved with a 26-year-old man who was also setting me up. 
uh, and I didn't realize he was abusive because I was so used to abuse. I had no idea that it was abusive. Um, I graduated from high school and turned 18 the very next day and I moved in with him. And for three years he beat me and it was, it was just normal for me. Uh, I escaped and I used the word escape. I escaped one February on, um, president's day, Monday. I called a friend. He had just beat me and I called my best friend at the time and I said, come get me. I stole $200 from his stash of money, packed a backpack of clothes, and left. And I never looked back. But the abuse in relationships continued uh, throughout uh, the time I was till maybe 10 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Were there individuals that began to speak into your life and see your value, see your worth, that began to cause you to recognize how valuable you were and that you didn't have to submit and yield to abusive relationships or that you could just see worth inside of you? Oh, definitely. I had um, wonderful, uh, I had two men who... Uh, who one was my mentor and another was like my big brother. And then I had two women, both have passed on. All of them have passed on except for one. Um, but the two women just recognized this gift in me. Mm-hmm. And one was a writer and she saw my poetry. I would write, I wrote and I wrote poetry and that was my way of getting my pain out. Mm-hmm. And I read something to her. And I remember to this day, she said, and I get choked up, mm-hmm. but she said, I see this as a play. You should do this. You oh. should get on stage and you should do this. And it's going to help people. Oh. And I did. I turned it into a play, a one woman play. Um, and I remember being on stage and speaking the words and talking about the abuse, but I did it in such a rhythmic and poetic way that it wasn't as if it was mine. It was as if I was speaking everyone else's stories. I was Mm. speaking a a group of stories together, and I remember hearing the crying. I remember hearing the noses, you know, being blown. I remember people speaking, and I remember the applause afterwards. And I remember seeing people standing up and people coming to me later and they're telling me, this is my story. Thank you for sharing my story. And that there put something in my spirit that I didn't know was dormant. I didn't know I had this in me. And then I met another man uh, and, and it was a white man. And that's the interesting part. I had all of this stuff around white people to be quite frankly because of what all I'd gone through in my yeah, childhood yeah. and he came to me and he said I see something in you I want you to run my campaign for school board wow. and he mentored me and I got involved in social justice by working with him and he showed me the ins and outs of social justice and equity and education and equality and, and again tapped into something I didn't know was sitting there wow. and then another man came and, and he's African-American and he just became my big brother. And he was a part of an organization. He's like, I want you to be a part of this organization. We need your voice. And before I knew it, I became the campaign manager 
for all of these different people coming in to bring equality and bring justice. And, um, and this was all in California, in Oakland, because that's actually where I hail from, is from the Bay Area. And it wasn't until I came to New York 10 years ago that this other part of my life started to happen. And I created uh, through what I was going through, through my journey of how I started to heal, I created a program called Express Yourself, Exchanging Personal Related Experiences and Stories for Success. And it's based on five principles, awareness, acknowledge, acceptance, appreciation, and then action. I created this 12-week program and said, you know what? Maybe they need it in the, in the local jail. And so I approached them with a proposal. And out of all of the programs that they bring into the local jail, I was the only one that they offered to pay. And I did that program for five years in the local jail, working with the women that were incarcerated, waiting for trial. And once they were sentenced, then I did the work with them through the mail. And once they were released, I worked with them one-on-one. The more you invested into others, did that bring more healing to you? Definitely, because in order to do the work with them, I had to continue to do the work on me. There you go. Um, and, and what they would come out with and the things that the revelations that they were coming with and the ideas and the things that they were speaking about would either, one, trigger things for me or the trigger that it would cause would then cause me to go, oh, aha, and I'd be able to do the work. Mm. Um, and it wasn't easy. It was painful. Yeah. It was painful. Yeah. But I do it. And with that, the more I did that, um, the bigger dream. So 10 years ago, I had a dream, literally a dream of going to Africa to work with individuals um, that were abused. I saw something on the PBS, I think, and it was talking about uh, young girls and women that were being sold and or used um, by men in Africa in certain part regions as sacrifices, in a sense, to cure men who had AIDS or who were HIV positive, which doctors were telling these men that they could take the blood of a virgin or if they slept with a virgin, that they would be cured. So families were selling their kids as young as three years old. And there was a woman in one of the villages in Ghana who, and in Uganda, who started a, a house to, and she worked with um, an insider at the police station, and together they would rescue these women and young girls. And it just triggered something so deep in my core. And I remember the dream of, I must go to Africa. And three years ago I did. And right. I spoke to groups of women and men about my story and had hundreds of people coming to me um, each time I would speak in different villages. And I would go to the remote, poor villages and speak to these women um, and speak to the men and, and give them hygiene packets and sanitary pads. And they would come to me and say, you're telling my story. Wow. And so to know that thousands of miles in an entire different country on the other side of the equator, there were men and women who were going through exactly what I'd already gone through and just needed a piece of hope. And 
that's what I've been doing ever since is just offering my story, my journey, my journey to healing as a piece of hope. And about six years ago, I published a book um, called Standing on the Promise, My Journey to Finding True Love. And it was really a reflection of my poetry that I'd done over the years, but also just reflection of every part of my journey and how I got to the place of learning to love myself. The true love I was searching for was how to love myself. That's what I've been doing. That's, that's kind of my life story. And the last 10 years have just been about me telling my story, giving my story, giving of myself, and hopefully bringing hope and encouragement to others. I honor you so much because what you've experienced to walk through all that to become a generator of value in others is absolutely huge because as you said, you had to work on you in this process. And so I love how you shared that because we're all a work in progress. I don't think we ever arrive. I just think uh, one layer of the uh, onion is peeled off layer by layer Mm -hmm. by layer and we begin to see deeper and deeper the value and the worth that we hold so we can generate that in others. Mm -hmm. So before we Mm -hmm. close, Marissa, is there anything that you would desire to say to the audience that you want them to hear from your heart? I'm a survivor. I don't call myself a victim. Mm. And once you go through to the other side, you've survived. And even through the darkest, the hardest, painful, There's a story that comes out of it. And what I also realize is that it's just a chapter. Mm. It's not the end of your story. And your piece goes to a bigger chapter uh, in a book of life that is compiled of a bunch of other stories. And your voice, your experience, your pain, your journey is needed in order to help someone else who may not be there yet but is looking to try to get where you are so I encourage people share your story yes give your story offer your story and do not hold it in shame correct hold it with pride yes hold it with strength and know that it will make you a better person and it will touch the life of at least one person and if that's all you do you have done something amazing So true. Marissa, you are a carrier of hope. I honor you. I celebrate you. And I am overwhelmed with your story. Thank you for being authentic and vulnerable in sharing it today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stop Devaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stop Devaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StopDevaluation.com for more information and free resources. You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. 
Go out and value someone today. Your life matters and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.